0: I'm gonna start with a prayer request. Brother Dickie, Wendy May, John Roberts, Erlene Edwards, Steve Crawford, Steve Moncris, and Kyle Sanders. Anybody who walks here in with a need, spoken or unspoken, it will be fulfilled. Just pray. If you need any need, if you have any need, come down and the the pastors will anoint you with oil. And I hope pray for a great week. Let's have a great week. Have an awesome You Sunday.
1: Oh God, you are worthy. You know every need. God, have your way in this place. Fill us up so we'll be ready for this week. In Jesus' name.
0: something different at church tonight like you know what if I want to go further I want to go deeper and I was thinking I was like it doesn't have to be some big in-depth thing I can just do something different that I don't normally do like I can raise my hands higher I can jump a little higher and I know we're not doing like super fast songs but any song you can praise however you want to as long as you're praising God with all your might and I was thinking I was like you know like at Jericho they praised and they got their breakthrough I mean the last day they shouted, they danced, they praised God, right. and their walls came tumbling down and they got their promise. They got exactly what they've been promised. Even though they had to wait a little bit longer. Right. And even if you praise through the time that you're waiting, you're gonna get your promise. It's gonna happen. You're not you're not gonna not get it. God promises things, he keeps his promises. And it's so crazy that even the small things, even the small things can impact your whole world. And it's it blows my mind. But if the other would please come. But yeah, just just praise God with all you have. It doesn't have to be rolling around, jumping the pews, stuff like that. You just do what you have, give what you have, and God will bless you. God, I pray that you would bless the offering tonight. I pray that you would bless Brother Stephen and all the people who give the offering. And touch this praise team, Lord, and all glory to you, God, in Jesus' name, Amen.
2: practicing, praying, preparing. we give, give God a hand. That's what we came here for. And Father, I thank you already for what we've felt in this place. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe it. God, I, I believe in what God's going to do tonight. Something special happens on Youth Sundays. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the, the young energy. I don't know if it's the... Actually, I do know what it is. It's very easy because it's a youth Sunday to decide to take to take the night off. I, I'm aware of it. I'm aware that it's, I'm not Pastor Meyer preaching, so I'm aware that if you want to pick a Sunday night of the month to take off, it's this one. And when you have that option in your mind, when you have that option in your spirit, when you decide against it and you make it to the house of God instead, There's something that happens. There's something that takes place when you decide against your flesh to say, I could take the night off, but I'm going into the house of God. Something happens immediately because flesh is being put into subjection, and the Spirit will begin to move. That is why there are powerful moves on Youth Sunday. It's because of you. In Jesus' name. So we're going to move. I'll move to the Scriptures, so that way you can be seated. So we'll read. Our passage is going to be in Luke. Two, starting at verse 41. Luke two, forty-one. If you have it, say amen. If you don't have it yet, say hold on. It's in the New Testament. If you see John, you've gone too far. If you see Genesis, you haven't read your Bible in a minute. But I'm glad you're here either way. So we'll move on to it says right here, his parents, talking about Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning after spending the full number of days required, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. Instead, they thought that he was somewhere in the caravan and they went a day's journey And then they began looking for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. And when Joseph and Mary saw him, they were bewildered. And his mother said to him, son, Why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And yet they on their part did not understand the statement which he had made to them. A lot like a lot of us. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and he continued to be subject to them. And his mother treasured all these things in their heart you may be seated the title of tonight's message is a day without jesus a day without jesus if we could all pray and reach our hands toward heaven father nothing in here happens without you nothing in here happens without your anointing and so god i pray that your anointing falls on every single one of us tonight that it falls on me to minister your word, that it falls on us, God, to hear your word, but not just to be hearers, but Lord, I want to be doers of the word. So God, I pray that you prepare our hearts tonight to receive a word from you. Let a seed be planted in our hearts, God, for us to be stronger this week than we ever were before, for us to have faith that we have never had before, and for us to find you like we have never found you before. Let everybody say amen let's move into it this story I, I like it because it's interesting because there are powerful spiritual parallels that that connect this story to our current generation there's foreshadowing in there but also this story is a very it's a very human story. it's we're not reading it's not a miraculous event it's not you know reading about waters being split open we're not reading about a giant fish swallowing a man we're not reading about a giant being slain. We are reading about some parents who goofed up and lost their kid. That's what we're reading about in this story. And has that any, have any, kids don't look. Have any parents lost a kid before? There we go. We got, we do we have any liars? Okay, I know, I, for sure, I know uh, my mom can be raising her hand and my dad would be raising his hand. And honestly, Papa, you were there too. And Dane, y'all were there. So y'all, y'all lost me. But, um, it was, don't mean to throw you on the, actually, I won't say names. How about that? I won't say names who lost me. There we go. Um, but it was, I was four years old, and I called to make sure that the details were right on this. I, I was four years old, and we were all at my nanny's house, which is uh, my Dane. She, it's, her, it's her mother. And so she lived kind of close to my house where we grew up in Tiger Town, and all the family was there, and they were working on her house, and I know for sure we were working on her flower beds. That's the only thing I know for sure what we were doing. All the family was there, and my four-year-old self was there, I'm sure, helping a ton with the work that was being done, and my mom was going to leave and go home, and she said, Stephen, do you want to come with me, or do you want to stay here? I was like, oh, I'll stay, I'll stay here, and so she said, okay, well, she gets in her car, and she drives home, immediately. And I remember this story vividly. From memory from four years old, if you tell me what to do, like tomorrow, I won't remember it. But somehow I remember this story so clearly that as soon as she drives away, I remember looking at her car going off and go, I made a mistake. I want to go home. And so I was thinking, how can I get home? Because I already said I I didn't want to go home. And so I turned and I looked at my dad who was bent over working in the flower beds and not facing me. And I remember saying out loud, now's my chance. And so I took off down the road to walk to my house. And I looked at, I, want, I got on Google earth today to look and see how long it was from my nanny's house to my house. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't lying to you. It was a thousand miles. It was, no, it wasn't. It was 1.44 miles. Which is, for four years old, 1.44 miles by myself on walking along a road. I walked home, made it home, impressive because I'm four. And I get there and I knock on the door, not expecting anything weird to be because I'm just home. You know, I didn't think this would cause an issue. My mom opens the door and not, surprised, not expecting to see a four-year-old me standing there. And she looks at me and says, who dropped, who dropped you off? Nobody. She's like, well, how'd you get here? Like, I-, I walked. And the look on her face, I, luckily I was not the one that got in trouble. Everybody else got in trouble at my nanny's house. I was fine. But knowing, though, that if you have lost a kid before, and I was, actually I was looking up stats, like in, like in baseball, if you, get, if you only get out once every three at-bats, you're like a Hall of Famer. Like, you you're that's two out of three, and you're a Hall of Famer. But if you lose one kid out of three, you're not a Hall of Fame parent, is what they say. And so I don't think that's fair. And so I'll we'll just stick with our dog, and I don't think, because I just don't like the rules that parenting plays by. But if you have lost a parent, or if you lost a kid, don't worry about it. Jesus' parents did, too. And so, but we're going to talk about it, because there's some cool things in this story that I want to talk about. And if we go to the beginning of that passage, it says that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And so Mary and Joseph were participating in this Passover feast, the feast of the Passover. It was a Jewish custom to celebrate and to remember when the Spirit passed over the doorways that had the lamb's blood spread over it, protecting the firstborn child of the home during the plagues of Egypt. That's what this was for, is in remembrance and honoring that event. And so it's a thing about Jewish culture, about remembering what has happened in the past and celebrating and remembering this miracle and this provision from God. In Exodus twelve seventeen, it lets us know about it. It says, celebrate this festival of unleavened bread for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day, that this festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. So they're celebrating this event. They're honoring it. It's a religious ceremony. It's a religious experience reminding them of God, bringing them out of Egypt, of them being, him being their savior in this time of bondage. And so Mary and Joseph participate in this religious event celebrating how they were saved from Egypt. And somehow, some way, along the way, getting ready to go home, they literally leave the savior back there. And if you think about it, it's hilarious because they were, they're celebrating the Savior. They're celebrating how the Deliverer delivered them. And they pack up and they go home and they leave the actual Messiah back in Jerusalem. And so it's almost comical to think about it. But I got to think of really thinking about it. And we, we, do, we do that a lot. We, and I do it all the time, that we go to revivals, that we go to conferences, that we, we've been in prayer meetings, we go to youth Sundays, we've worshiped, we've cried, we've participated in religious experiences. And when it's over and when we've stayed the required time is what the scripture even says, we picked up our burdens and we walked right back out the door carrying the burdens and forgetting Jesus behind us. We were never meant to walk out of here with the burdens we walked in here with. We were never meant to walk out of here with the Jesus that meets us here. That the experiences that we have here in church are not meant to stay in these four walls and just be a what happened to me at church. But it's an experience that we also take with us and we don't carry our burdens with us, but we leave them here and we leave with Jesus along with us. We were not meant to walk out of here with our burdens. First Peter 5 and 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares about you. I don't know what you came in here carrying tonight. I don't know if it's emotional baggage. I don't know if it's guilt and shame. I don't know if it's anxiety. I don't know if it's depression. I don't know if it's addiction. But what I do know is that your Bible and my Bible says that if you walk in here with it, it does not mean you have to walk out of here with it. That if you walked in here with shame and with guilt, if you walked in here with bondage, if you walked in here depressed, if you walked in here with anxiety, that does not mean you have to walk out of here with it. But there is a Savior saying, cast all of your anxieties on me, cast all of your burdens on me, and you can walk out of here without what you walked in here with. And I'm believing tonight that you walked in here and you're, you've had something, you're fighting something, and you're saying, you know what, I may hold on to it, I, I may, you know it. cast it on Jesus tonight. Because you don't have to walk out of here with what you walked in here with. And when you think the word, I looked at it because the word is used often. And when I say what this translates into, you're going to want to say, duh. But honestly, it says when to cast your cares, to cast your anxieties on him, it does not mean to politely lay it down. It does not mean to sit it there gently. To cast translates directly into to throw. The other place where that's used, that same word of cast, translating to throw, is where they cast their garments onto the donkey for Jesus to sit upon. That they threw it. That when we have anxieties, when we have things, sometimes it's easy for us to just... Kind of let it go, but then pick it back up and walk out the door with it. But it says cast anxieties on him. Cast burdens, meaning you take a hold of it and you throw it. That you take a hold of it and you decide and you make a commitment. I'm okay with walking out of here without this in my hand. I'm okay with walking out of here with the depression I walked in here with. And when you make the decision that I'm okay with living without what I've lived with before, things begin to change. Have you ever seen the movie where maybe people are breaking up and they throw the ring in the water? It's always water maybe we have if i wanted to preach to dead people i'd have gone to the cemetery come on have we have we have we watched it before and so they, they they get they're in this relationship and things would go and they're done and they've hit their limit and they're through and so they get out there and it's always like nighttime and they get ready with their ring and they get it and they don't just sit it just in case they might pick it back up and they might go back to that relationship what do they do they, they chunk it they say i'm never seeing this again And they chunk it, they cast it, they throw it because they're saying, what I have right now, I do not want anymore. What I have right now, I do not need anymore. And so I am casting it and expecting to never see it again. So when scripture says, cast your cares on him, cast your burdens on him, cast your anxieties on him, he's not saying sit it down and pick it back up. He's saying throw it and never expect to see it again because whenever you pick me up, you're not gonna have those anxieties anymore. You're not gonna have those burdens anymore that depression anymore because when you cast it in my name you will never see it again Mm. Caleb and Asher I want y'all to come Caleb would you stand here don't don't touch anything yet Asher I want you to grab this box be careful with it it's fragile I struggle with illustrations because I get distracted. But I decided to stay up here so I wouldn't get distracted. Although God wants us to lay down our burdens and to cast our burdens on him, it never says that he wants you to leave here empty-handed. That he wants you to leave the things you walked in here with. He wants you to cast those things down, but he never said anything about you walking out empty-handed. Because when you walk out of here empty-handed, Caleb is the one who is cast out. Throw it. Throw all of your cares. Throw throw it. There we go. And now he is empty. All right. He is empty-handed. And what sometimes we do is now we are empty-handed and we think we've got the job done. And now we're walking through life and slowly begin to walk through life. And what life begins to do, which is Asher, is he begins to throw things at him. There we go. And his hands are free. So he begins to throw doubts, and he picks it up. He begins to throw... Anxieties, He begins to pick it back up. He begins to throw his past at him, and it begins to stick with him. Because our hands are still empty, we begin to hold all the things the enemy begins to throw at us after we've laid things down at the altar. Have we ever experienced that? We've had an altar experience. We've had a mighty move of God. But then we get into Monday, and those doubts start creeping back in. You start realizing, you're like, man, how, do I, how can I even expect to try to live differently whenever I used to do this? How can I expect to talk to my friends about Jesus when they saw me drinking last year how how can I expect to do this and the enemy is throwing things at you and because your hands are empty you're catching every single one of them and you're walking with burdens that you never were meant to walk with so put those back in the box there's something that God calls for us to do that prevents this from happening that this wasn't a it's not a giveaway situation at the altar it's a trade-in scenario that you cast all your cares and your burdens on him and you pick up something Scripture says to take up your cross and to follow me. That If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and he must follow me. Why does he use the imagery of taking up a cross? You see, because when you're taking up your cross, you do not have room to catch anything the enemy throws at you anymore. So begin to walk. Where's that anxiety? It hits him. It's still hitting him. Because whenever you're walking, With God, when you're carrying your cross, that does not mean that your life is going to be perfect from now on, that there's not going to be storms, that there's not going to be tough times. The anxiety will try to hit you. The depression will try to hit you. Your past will try to rise up. But what happens is, is Caleb is walking saying, I know what's coming against me, but I simply do not have time to care about it. I simply do not have room to hold it because I'm holding my cross. I don't have the hands to carry what you're trying to hand me, enemy. I have my cross in my hand you see because the cross symbolized accepting your fate right now we use it as a symbol for love and the crucifixion of Jesus but back then when this was used you carried your cross knowing that when you got to your destination you were going to die there and so whenever he said what he's saying here is you know when you are picking up your cross that my flesh my will my way of life the way I think it should be done is over That's what picking up your cross means. So whenever you cast all of your cares, all of your burdens, everything you walked in here with that is fighting against you, that is holding you back, and you cast them down at the altar, and then you say, God... Not my will, but thine be done. I'm empty now. I poured everything out, but I'm taking up my cross, and I don't care what the enemy brings against me. I don't care what the enemy throws at me anymore. I don't care if it's my past. I don't care if it's fear of the future. I don't care if it's doubts. I don't care what it is. But as long as I have my hands on the cross, I know that I will not carry it with me. I know that your joy is going to be there. I know that your goodness and your mercy is going to be following me all of the days of my life. I know that I will hold on to that joy because. My hands cannot hold on to anything else. Man, Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. Do not walk out of here without Jesus tonight. Do not walk out of here without your cross tonight. You can come to the altar tonight and you can repent and you can cast everything down. But if you do not leave here with Jesus carrying your cross, you're going to come in in the same situation the next Sunday. But what I want us to do is to lay down what we are fi- fighting and to pick up the cross and to walk in here next Sunday and be amazed in the power that we have because we've been holding on to that cross. Do not walk out of here without Jesus tonight. Do not leave him behind tonight because you see Mary and Joseph, they assumed Jesus was among the caravan. and it says that they thought that he was somewhere in the caravan and that they went a day's journey and they began looking for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. And when you begin to realize that you have lost sight of Jesus, that you have drifted away from his presence and your relationship with him has gotten distant, a noticeable void begins to rise up in your spirit. A level of dissatisfaction, a level of discontentment begins to form in our lives, in our minds, and in our spirits. Have we felt that before? That we know that our prayer life hasn't been where it should be. We know that our church attendance hasn't been where it should be. We know that we've been watching things we shouldn't watch. And there's just this dissatisfaction and this discontentment that begins to settle in on our spirit. And what begins to happen is we begin to seek the validation that fills the void that Jesus' love once filled for us. A love that still exists, but we have drifted from. So we begin looking And searching, just like Mary and Joseph did, it says that they they searched among the caravan and among family and acquaintances, that they searched among their stuff and their friends and their family, and and they were searching for what they had lost, but you will never find what you are looking for among material possessions. Mark 4, 19 says, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You can enjoy nice things. Yes, but whenever you are looking for the love of God and the joy and the peace that he offers you and the mercy and the grace that he saves you with, no money, no car, nothing else can provide it. No new iPhone can offer it. No nice watch. No nice shoes can offer it. Only God can give you What you need. Nothing in this world can give you what you are looking for when you are searching for God. And we see this because we see that material possessions, they just keep piling up and they keep piling up, but the the joy is not there and we see it and we see it in celebrities all the time that we think, how could they take their life? How could they end up in this situation? How could they have everything they want? It's because they were not looking in the right place, but they were searching in the caravan and not finding Jesus. You will never find the love and provision on this earth that you can find in Jesus. It's just not possible. And says they also looked among their acquaintances and their family and it says to know, this is Ephesians 3.19, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all of the fullness of God. This, this means that God's love does not really make sense. And it doesn't have to. But when we search after, these, searching for people, when we're searching for what we've lost in the, and among people and among our friends and validation of friends, we fall flat every time. Galatians 1.10 says, for I am now for am I now seeking the favor of people or of God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a bond servant. Of Christ. If you are seeking after in people and relationships and validation of others in extracurricular events, it's going to fall flat every time because it's not going to be able to provide for you the stability, the joy, and the peace that God is wanting to give you. You will never find that love and that provision in this earth, in the things of this earth, in the people of this earth. It is not possible but god's love for you tonight is beyond understanding it doesn't make sense and people turn your back their back on you whenever you're weak but god gives you strength and your weakness somebody listen tonight you someone's been lied to tonight that what they have done their life situation and their past has removed them from the love of god but romans 8 35 and then 37 through 39 says who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you wanna know who wrote That? A man who persecuted Christians. You want to know who wrote that? A man who held coats while the other men stoned Stephen. Unfortunate name, but we're moving forward. If anybody could be removed from God's love, it's Paul. But instead, God looked at him and called him a chosen vessel. When you experience the love of God, even in the midst of your lowest points, there's nothing like it when you experience God loving you in a time where you don't even love yourself there is nothing like it whenever you're at your worst and Jesus still calls you by your name whenever you are bound in sin but God still calls you his own Mary and Joseph you're not going to find it among your peers you're not going to find it among your stuff you're not going to find it in this world you're only going to find it in one place and that is the presence of God there's only one place to go and it's him and it says, so we move down through the scripture, and while they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And then, after three days, they found him in the temple in the midst of the teachers. They searched everywhere. They looked for him. They couldn't find him. And they finally found him in the temple. Sometimes when you've lost sight of Jesus in your life and you've lost that relationship you know you need to have, simply put, sometimes you just got to get in the house of God. Sometimes you just got to get to church. It's, it's as simple as that. I wish there was something mystical I could say, but sometimes it just takes making it to church. And actually, the only time and the only circumstance where going not going to church is the right answer is if the question is, what's a bad idea? And then the answer is, don't go to church. But Other than that, every single time, the answer is always going to be go to church. The answer is always going to be it's a good idea to make it to the house of God. Scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because yes, you have been lost. Yes, you have struggled. But there's something about walking through the doors of a church assembly of people who have also struggled but love you and love the God that you are serving. There's something about walking through the doors of a place and saying, listen, oh, you're not perfect. Good, me neither. And we walk in together and let's worship the God who is perfect. And there's people that have been lost and the enemy is going to lie to you to make you believe that the church is going to judge you and the church is going to talk bad about you. And the church is just going to stare at you when you walk through those doors, but it's a lie. The truth is the church is going to be beside themselves that you made it. it honestly, the, what's probably going to happen is they're going to be too excited and hug you too much that's that's if that's what you're worried about okay good because that's what's going to happen the church is excited for you to be there if you have been lost if you've been struggling you cannot find it anywhere make it to the house of God get in the presence of God and if you walked in here tonight just want to try it out for the first time keep coming back if you're online and you're not sure about making it back in person or joining in person we want you here we need you here. And God is wanting to do something amazing in this church body. If the musicians could come. God's wanting to do something amazing in and through this church body, in our schools, our workplaces, and it starts here. It starts in you. See, Mary and Joseph, they, they lost sight of Jesus. They, they didn't know where Jesus was, but Jesus was never lost. He knew right where. He was, he knew right where Mary and Joseph was and he knows where you are tonight and you are in the best place possible to find what you once had or to find what you're looking for for the first time. We could all stand. All of us are gathered here tonight. We're in the house of God, we're in the presence of God, we're surrounded by brothers and sisters who understand what it's like to be lost and to be searching, What understand what it's like to have been found. And the Jesus, the same Jesus that was in the story is here tonight and it says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save which was lost. Not only are you looking for him, but he's looking for you too that he's calling you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, that he's calling you to greater. He's calling you to more. He's calling you to deeper, to a relationship that will change everything. He's calling you to lay down, to cast down your burdens on him, to pick up your cross and to say, God, not my will, but thine be done. God, I've been away from you. I've been far off. I've struggled. I've seen things I shouldn't have seen. I've done things I shouldn't have done, but I'm casting it down. And God, I'm going to be a new creature in you and I am picking up my cross from now on to be the servant, to be what you've called me to be and he's calling us tonight if you've been searching, if you've been seeking validation, if you've been seeking love, if you've been seeking purpose if you feel like something is missing it's here tonight it's him tonight and so what we're going to do now is take the opportunity to think personally what burden what am I holding on to that is separating me from the love of God what is it that's separating me from feeling and from seeing what God is wanting to do in my life and whenever you find what it is I want you to cast it on The altar, I want you to cast it in the presence of God, to cast it into his hands and expect to never see it again and to pick up your cross to follow after him, to live the life he is calling for you to live so that when the enemy tries to bring it back to you on Monday morning, tries to bring it back to you tonight when you go to bed, that you cannot hold anything else anymore because your hands are firmly held to the cross. But it all starts with the decision, I can't make it for you. You have to make it. And so tonight, These altars are open. And I encourage everybody to come here because there's something about gathering together with believers at the altar. None of us are perfect. You can say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm struggling. I don't know if... Make it to the altar. Get in the presence of God. Cast it on Him. And expect to walk out these doors carrying nothing but the cross, carrying nothing but the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, carrying nothing but God walking with you, the joy, the peace, the mercy, the grace, everything he's wanting you to carry and nothing else. And so, Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for that you never lost sight of me when I couldn't see you. God, thank you for always knowing where I was when I was lost. God, thank you for always loving me when I was unlovable. God, thank you for calling me in the midst of my darkness. Thank you for the marvelous light that you are pulling me into. And so, God, I pray that somebody answers the call tonight to leave the darkness, to leave the sin, to leave the life that the enemy is trying to bind them in and to walk holding the cross to walk out of here with your burden on their back to walk out of here with your life in their hands God and so in Jesus name I pray for strength obedience and faith right now to rise Burning. last prayer before we dismiss. Father, thank you for the words you have spoken. I Thank you, God. Have you moved us and urged us to make decisions, to take action, to lay things down and to pick up your cross? And so, Father, I pray for a boldness and authority and a faith and obedience. To walk in it tomorrow, to not let this be just a religious experience and we leave you behind. But God, I pray that we take you with us throughout this week into our schools, into our jobs, into every place that we go, into our homes. And we take you with us. We don't lose sight of you. And let us grow closer to you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I appreciate all of you for making it tonight. Uh, Youth will be going out to eat, so stay tuned for for that. And uh, let's have a great week. Amen.